This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Welcome to episode 435 of the Yellow Wall Pods. I'm your host, Stefan Butzko, and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund beating Eintracht Frankfurt thanks to Gregor Kobel and incompetent referees. <laughs> a one-all draw away to Copenhagen in the Champions League, and we will preview the Englische Woche against the Vereine für Leibesübung, Bochum and Wolfsburg. <laughs> and for all that and more, joins me Matthias Zug. Hello, Matthias. How are you doing? Well, aside from my voice kind of being a little roughed up, um, I'm doing okay. How are you? I am oversaturated with sports, Matthias. The Philadelphia Union are, shout out to NBC10 Philadelphia in the MLS World Cup. <laughs> uh, uh, the uh, Phillies are in the World Series. The Eagles are unbeaten, but the Sixers, the Philadelphia team I root most for, stink. So, um, yeah. And uh, on top of that, uh, obviously, uh, we have to talk about Borussia Dortmund, who also play like every other day. <sighs> It's exhausting. I'm exhausted. And so, um, yeah, let's talk about the things that happened last Saturday in the top spiel. And uh, I think the best news about this game is that Dortmund came, win came away with a win, Matthias. Yes, yes, that was, um, you know, it's kind of one of those. <laughs> Leading off with a statement <clears throat> yeah. instead of a question. It was kind of one of those uh, games where afterwards I, I had a lot of sympathies for Eintracht Frankfurt fans, um, even though I, I have my own thoughts on the way Frankfurt played due to frustration. We'll get into that in a little bit. But at the same time, you know, as a Dortmund fan, We've been on the receiving end of matches where you kind of looked at it and went, how did we lose? It was so dominant. <laughs> All the shots. Like, how did we lose that game? And so, you know, it happens. Let's be honest. Let's get this straight out of the way. Yes, it was a penalty. But, dear Eintracht Frankfurt <laughs> fans, I did watch the match against Sporting Lisbon. And that penalty was... Let's just say rather harsh on Coates there, given his body position, not knowing where anything was around him, didn't stop a shot from going to the goal. It was kind of one of those where I'm like, okay, that was it's handball, but it's pretty harsh. I mean, that could have also not been given just as easily. So what goes around comes around unless it's against Bayern, as we all know. <clears throat> but... Even though Bayern were big mad oh, as well this season because Bellingham didn't yeah, get sent Yeah, well, um, Leroy Sané should have been sent off for kicking out in that match too. Something that, like, like <laughs> nobody talked about. No, nobody yeah, mentioned yeah, like it in the media. And they're like... Like, he, he looked like a gymnast I'm, almost trying to the kick there. The thing is, what Bellingham did, just total, like, rip, getting off, off the Autobahn here all of a sudden. But... What Bellingham did was an accident. What Sané did was malicious. 
hundred yeah. percent malicious. Also, Bellingham's so. first yellow card shouldn't have been a yellow card, so yeah. he, he never no. should and have really been sent off. And should have been sent off. But anyway, this isn't the Bayern always get lucky <laughs> podcast. This is well, this, but it yeah. is though because uh, if if we talk about controversial refereeing decisions, and uh, obviously, um, you can tell that Eintracht Frankfurt are a big club. You know, let's 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 put it from this angle because if this happens to Leipzig or Leverkusen and so on and so forth, who gives a fuck? You know, no nobody cares. Um, but <laughs> I had people threatening me in my DMs, even though the entire time I was also saying, "Yeah, that is a clear penalty. How can it not be? Because it was." And uh, yeah, nevertheless, I had people in my DMs saying, "Yeah, uh, you." you better make sure we don't meet each other in person or something okay. along those lines. And I'm like, oh, so, okay, yeah. Um, here's the block. But nevertheless... Um, just, let's just get this out of the way. I've been to plenty of Eintracht Frankfurt matches, having lived in Frankfurt, when they played in the Zweite Bundesliga. Eintracht Frankfurt, just like Köln and Hertha, I'm picking those three in particular, have a <laughs> subsection of ultras that are... Uh, let's just say violent, uh, to put it mildly, uh, comparable to a lot of ultras that you would encounter in Italy um, as a fan of Italian football. And so, yeah, that kind of stuff, like, give me a break. It's a freaking game. Like, just move on. Yeah, you get riled up, but I, I had the same kind of experience, and I'm like, I don't even, like, just go away. Just go away. So anyway, I just had to interject there and say, you know, anybody who threatens or commits violence in the name of a fucking game is a piece of shit and should not have <laughs> anything to do with the sport, which is unfortunately all too often tainted by this type of fan behavior. So anyway. I mean, that being said, there are also a lot of violent Dortmund fans. That, yes, uh, I know, but know, when I look at complete like complete I know, but when I look at like specifically Köln, Hertha, and Frankfurt uh, in the last few seasons or last few years, I just have pictures of pitch invasions. You can even look at um, fans at Schalke <laughs> who got on the pitch and like took captain's armbands off of players. Like, I'm sorry, there's just no excuse for that type of behavior. Uh, in any shape or form. And yes, Dalton have that element too, but it seems to be more um, suppressed, let's put it that way, than some other clubs. Frankfurt, this isn't the first time. Yeah, no. Although I must say Frankfurt uh, have been worse a decade ago than they are currently, to be fair. And, um, you know, what I like about Frankfurt in general is that they are... Uh, and they have this massive energy, this massive momentum, not only of their Europa League win, but just in general. There's a lot of hype in this club right now. It it uh, is just very nice to see that uh, a team manages to, um, you know, come basically from the midfield or even lower of the Bundesliga because uh, when Dortmund won a championship in 2010, 2011, um, Frankfurt had a banner unfurled uh, Deutscher Randalemeister, which basically translates to the German champions of, uh, I don't know, turmoil. Or, hooliganism, really. Or, or hooliganism or whatever you want to call it. And um, what's, uh, you know, and, and obviously that was also the game where Frankfurt got relegated simultaneously. So um, to see them back a decade plus now, a Champions League team that uh, actually progresses out of their group on first try which is not easy 
And, uh, you know, having a team this way put together, I think, deserves a lot of respect because they're they're actually on merit, unlike so many other teams in the Bundesliga that have their sugar daddies um, that pump millions of euros into their teams. And um, so I'm just really, really glad to have maybe even a rival for the Champions League spots in Frankfurt because what we can take away from this game, but also in general, is that right now, I would say that Eintracht Frankfurt are a better team than Borussia Dortmund. And uh, I don't say this lightly. I just have a lot of respect to uh, how Eintracht Frankfurt operate. Um, I'm, I don't think that Dortmund have an answer to a player called Rana Kolomouani. I think he is one of the best signings period for the transfer. I think Mario Götze showed that he still can ball. And uh, he didn't do many spectacular things, but he did a lot of little really good things. Um, in this game and uh, obviously we'll talk about the Ashan situation in a little bit uh, where uh, Mario Götze should have arguably scored. Um, Frankfurt uh, also have some players developing in a very good way. Sebastian Rode is a much better player than he was even three seasons ago. Daichi Kamada is a much better player and uh, Jesper Lindström I think has made the biggest jump because in his first year for Frankfurt, he looked very useless and clueless, but uh, by now he's much better. And of course, um, I would say goalkeeper and the back three with uh, Jakic, uh, Ndika and uh, Tuta is also pretty good. Now, the only, I would say, issue that Frankfurt maybe have is, uh, is their fullbacks, because uh, I don't rate Luca Pellegrini that much. And uh, yeah, Ibimbe is, is very fast, but... Uh, he also has uh, his uh, frailties, let's say. But I think overall, the first 11 of Eintracht Frankfurt right now is a better team than Dortmund's first 11 and as the sum of its parts, if that makes sense. Because individually, Dortmund still have a lot of players that are better. But I think right now, Frankfurt have more cohesion, have more automatisms, are a better coach team and, uh, you know, just have more chemistry. And I think this was evident in this game. Uh, watching how Frankfurt managed to dominate Dortmund for large stretches of the game. And uh, what was interesting is that in the first 15 minutes or so, um, Frankfurt were very timid, almost cautious, which surprised me because they allowed Dortmund to play the ball around their back for very long times. But uh, eventually this game, I would say, um, unfolded into chaos and uh, <laughs> because Frankfurt became a little bit more aggressive and uh, I was actually surprised that Dortmund were the team to capitalize first on that, um, not least because of uh, Daniel Malen actually playing a very nice assist for Julian Brandt who then uh, has a good first touch and finish and, um, you know, for Dortmund taking the lead, I think, was worth a million dollars, if not more, because uh, otherwise, if Dortmund go behind against Frankfurt, I don't think they're coming back. But this way, I'm uh, very pleased uh, with the, the run of play. And obviously, it was almost a bit unfortunate that Daichi Kamada managed to equalize. Obviously, defensively, Dortmund weren't uh, doing too well uh, defending that goal. But uh, the clearance of Matsumils was a little bit wayward, who otherwise, once again, probably one of the best players uh, on the Dortmund team. But uh, yeah, what is interesting, of course, um, Jude Bellingham scoring uh, in the 52 minute uh, 50 second minute and uh, you know another great goal a lot of composure amazing assist by Mokoko um, but uh, in between Dortmund's goals and uh, you know I think 
after the Bellingham goal, uh, Frankfurt had all kinds of chances until up the 60th, 70th minute or so, uh, until they finally got sort of tired and can continue where they, you know, left off basically. But overall, Matthias, um, I think Frankfurt probably deserved this win and probably should have had a penalty and Adeyemi should have been sent off. And but in, in the same um, way, we can say that I think it was Pellegrini who also should have been sent off for for elbowing yeah. Adeyemi oh, twice yeah. in the face. Oh, yeah. And the second time so, was a um, lot worse than the first time. Exactly. The second time exactly. was definitely intentional. The first time, I think it was just kind of a I'm creating space for myself kind of a situation that we see. And that does get booked, but the second time, I don't think that was... I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt for the second one. Well, the funny thing is it was basically the same decision that, uh, who was it, Aitikin had in the uh, Bayern game against Bellingham, where the second one was much more egregious, but he let him live in order to uh, keep the integrity of the game, if you will, because otherwise this would have easily decided the contest. And uh, obviously Dortmund can be thankful because after... The elbow Julian Brandt scored like 10 or 15 seconds later. So it was advantage Dortmund instead of taking a player off. And I think, um, you know, it would have really altered the way this would have uh, been uh, played had Frankfurt been down to 10 after the 20th minute and not forget that they had to play. I think it was Tottenham midweek or no, it was Marseille, right? So um, very... Uh, very tiring minutes also in Frankfurt's legs and uh, they also had to play on Wednesday instead of Tuesday so they had one fewer day uh, one day fewer to recover so you know if you factor all these things in and if you look at how tired Frankfurt were in the last 20 minutes or so um yeah this game would have been more decided for Dortmund than just with the one uh, for Julian Brandt is all I'm saying but um you know but what are your thoughts on this game before I just blabber on for a million minutes? Oh, no worries. I, You know, my thoughts on the game, yes. Uh, Frankfurt were, I'd say, for 60, 70 minutes, the better team. Uh, I agree yeah. with you that the, when it, the way it started, I thought Dortmund were going to run over them because they were so, like you said, timid. Like, it wasn't really their style. And then as the game became chaotic and chippy, and dirty <laughs> that leaned into Frankfurt's strengths and Dortmund's weaknesses. We also can't forget, you know, Dortmund's side that was on the pitch. You have players like Adeyemi. I've got my thoughts on him in a minute. Um, and, you know, that leans more into a team like Frankfurt than a team like um, Dortmund in that moment. You know, I mean, Frankfurt have controlled aggression, uh, which... You know, if if you look at Dortmund's side, you get someone out there like Emre Can, he just has aggression. You know, there's no controlled aggression. <laughs> uh, Zaliochan, I think, has more of a control in it, um, though he leans a little heavier also towards the lack thereof. I think Sebastian Rode is interesting to see his development. I think he tends to overreact a little bit when the ref doesn't quite give him the call he wants, like he throws slight tantrums. Which well, he did play for which, Bayern, yeah, so. which I just think is a little funny. <laughs> uh, I do want to, uh, though, say a couple of things on Eintracht Frankfurt real quick, just in general. I think our overall opinion of Eintracht Frankfurt is positively influenced by the fact that they won the Europa League last season. If you look at their Bundesliga campaign, it wasn't very good. 
Um, they That's finished true. in 11th, uh, only nine points clear of relegation, uh, far away from the top four. Right now, they're two points behind Dortmund. Uh, they sit fifth in the table, having scored five more, but also conceded five more goals than Dortmund. Um, the winning the Europa League and then getting into the Champions League, that kind of cash helps drive things. Had they not won the Europa League, had they lost that final or been knocked out in a previous stage, we wouldn't even be talking about Frankfurt right now because they couldn't have made some of the signings they did. That they is absolutely have correct. invested the way they did. And I personally believe Oliver Glasner's job was saved by the Europa League campaign because his Bundesliga campaign was bad. And especially the beginning. The beginning of the season, everyone was like, wow, this looks like it was a horrible season for coaching changes. Uh, and that's when we thought, you know, Dortmund got the best of the bunch of changes when you look at, <laughs> and they probably did overall. I mean, they finished second. Um, but between that little uh, carousel of Glasner and Rose and Adi Hütter, you know, you'd say Dortmund Rose was probably the best pick out of the bunch. We saw what happened with Adi Hütter. That didn't end well for Gladbach, who had a better season than Frankfurt domestically. They finished above them in the table. Granted, only by three points, but they still finished above them <laughs> in the table. Um, Frankfurt didn't have a good season. Bundesliga-wise, this season, they've been pretty inconsistent. They got absolutely pantsed by Bayern to start the season. And everyone went, uh-oh, this is going to be bad. I mean, they got embarrassed. And I watched Frankfurt's opening uh, cup tie against Magdeburg because I was in Germany at that time, and Frankfurt didn't look convincing against Magdeburg. They won, because they're the better side, but they didn't look convincing. So <clears throat> all that's to be said that, you know, it's Frankfurt get a lot of praise, but the Europa League was really their saving grace, which is good. They're in the Champions League. They made it through the group stages, and now, you know, more cash comes in, more prestige comes in, and then you can kind of build it from there. Look what Dortmund did under Klopp. It's kind of the, the same same scenario that it, it's a it's a build that way that that being said on said on frankfurt in general this match yes frankfurt were the better side frankfurt deserved to win they didn't oh well we move on um you know i mean i'm not heartbroken for it because also i found that more the later the match get, got the more frankfurt got frustrated the dirtier they started to play um, yeah, that and is absolutely true. the moment you start playing like that, I have zero sympathy. You know, that's why I enjoyed them beating Sporting because Sporting is a team full of cheaters, just like Sevilla. It's just a theatrics and dirty plays and clutching your face when you got a nick on the elbow. And it's like, nah, it's whatever. You deserve to lose. And based on that type of performance then and petulance from Frankfurt, yeah, I'm okay with beating them, even if they were better for a period of time. And I rewatched the game because it was such a weird game. And Funkfoot came out in the second half, or just before the second half and right after the second half, and got chance after chance after chance. And then it slowed down, and then Dortmund came back into the game. And then Bellingham scored what I believe to be an absolutely fantastic goal. That was a beautiful goal. And so the one thing Funkfoot has to learn then when you have your chances, you have to take them. And that's a, and, and <laughs> yeah. Dortmund were just clinical. They were clinical with the chances that they had. And they were higher percent, high percent, not higher percentage than Frankfurt chances, but they were high percentage chances. And they took them. Whereas in the past, sometimes they didn't. I mean, we had that 
Rose, Favre, other seasons where Dortmund were like battering the opposition and it didn't go in and then they lost. You know, just think of Mainz or Frankfurt, uh, sorry, uh, Augsburg games, even Frankfurt games. So um, Oliver Glasner, this is the sixth time he's coached a team against Borussia Dortmund and the sixth time he's lost. So obviously um, that's that's kind of uh, a nut he wants to crack <laughs> at some point because that's not a good statistic. Well, it is a perfect statistic. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, you said you were okay with the win. I am elated with the win because I love when it really gets chippy, as you said, when the hate is flowing through the stadium and you win it ugly and the opponent is as upset and mad as they possibly could be. Because Frankfurt fans were mad. They were really, really mad. They thought they were robbed. The whole world had conspired against them. And the VAR, uh, you know, obviously we can talk about this real quick because I think the the referee, uh, was it Stegemann or so, said after the game that, um, you know, this obviously is a penalty, but the VAR referee, Robert Kamka, apparently didn't have uh, the perspectives. He only had, quote-unquote, four perspectives. And uh, I'm not entirely sure uh, <laughs> how you can even find four perspectives where it doesn't look like a slam dunk penalty. But, uh, you know, I'll just say this. You know, just before uh, Adeyemi pushes Lindström to the ground, uh, there was a little race for the ball uh, when it clanked off the post. And Lindström clearly also shoves Niklas Süle out of the way for his own convenience. So um, not not to say there wasn't a penalty by Adeyemi, but, you know, it, it was still a shove, you know. But, you know, on top of that, as I said, it got hectic, it got difficult for Dortmund, it got very dirty, and... They didn't fucking quit. And that is something that I loved about Borussia Dortmund in this game in particular. Because how many times, if it got a little bit more chippy, if uh, the stance got rowdy and, uh, you know, there was uh, trouble and, and players uh, shoving each other around, how many times have Dortmund folded after that and uh, somehow conceded? But instead... Dortmund did not. We actually had a, a, a nice tag team with uh, Jude Bellingham and Gio Reyna. And uh, <laughs> it's funny to me that uh, Gio Reyna is uh, Jude Bellingham's Ham's enforcer somehow. But uh, yeah, it, it did work. And uh, obviously the game ended with uh, 10 yellow cards, five on each side. And a lot of it was uh, for complaining. I mean, Sebastian Rode got booked on the bench for throwing a tantrum, which obviously also was a foul, the uh, Gio Reyna body check. In my book, was a complete foul, but then uh, a couple of minutes later, Niklas Zule gets, you know, blown a foul for a header, which most certainly was not a foul whatsoever. Um, so yeah, refereeing. I think the referee overall had just lot, lost the plot, uh, uh, overall in general. And um, yeah, Kevin Trapp also doesn't need to be in in this throng of uh, shoving around players. But nevertheless, I just I just love that Dortmund. Uh, managed to pull through there. And um, I also think that the 60-minute subs um, did help Dortmund uh, to shut down the uh, Frankfurt uh, floodgate of chances. Um, obviously, Modest came on for Coco, which <laughs> didn't really help things, but Emre Can came on for Julian Brandt and uh, Reiner came on for Marlen. And, and in the 69th minute, we had Wolf on for Adeyemi. And uh, I don't know if you saw this, <laughs> uh, but Tessic did switch to a 4-4-2 system with Bellingham up top and then next to Modest, also because Modest cannot press the opponent's build-up even when he's coming off the bench. So that's not a good sign. 
Um, but uh, yeah, uh, obviously we had some Jude Bellingham heroics in like the 93rd, 94th minute, just running around uh, tirelessly between uh, the um, Frankfurt Builder players, even though he never got the ball. But, you know, I just appreciate the hus hustle. There's just no quit in this kid. But, uh, you know, then you had a double pivot with uh, Emre Can and uh, Ashan for uh, a longer while. And uh, defensive liabilities, Daniel Malen, uh was subbed off and to some extent Adeyemi, even though I must say, I think Adeyemi's defensive contributions are worlds better than what Daniel Malen is showing. And uh, so at least you can have him play there. And uh, yeah, obviously we also didn't even mention yet that uh, Torgan played left back and Niklas Ulle right back in this game. So uh, yeah, it's yet another funny uh, lineup from Dortmund, which uh, somehow works for the most part. Obviously um, Niklas Ulle is a really good right back and uh, Torgan Hazard looks a little funny but at least uh, with his body position when he receives the ball he at least has his right foot to switch the play which can sometimes be very effective so um, you know it's not all bad um, but uh, yeah Matthias I was actually quite uh, pleased with the tactical switches by Eden Terzic toward the la later stages of the game in order to um, shut down Frankfurt but I think we need to talk about the uh, time when Dortmund most certainly did not shut down Frankfurt because, um, first of all, how soapy was the pitch? I I mean, there it, it seemed a little it seemed a little <laughs> slick at times. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, and then you know, Ershan loses possession and uh, to to Mario Götze of all players, you know, as the last man, not really good, and Gregor Kobe, a massive save. And then we watch the replay of that and the replay ends because Nico, Nico Schlotterbeck lost the ball in build-up and then you have Lindström uh, free on Kobel who then instead of just squaring it to Kolomorani in the middle, um, yeah, he just uh, tries to score himself and Kobel once again um, shoots. Uh, I don't even recall all the other chances that Frankfurt had. Maybe since you actually rewatched the game, uh, can talk me through it a little bit more. But uh, those were the most two egregious ones because Dortmund uh, basically just gave them away. And uh, yeah, it's obviously a big worry for Dortmund if this keeps happening. But uh, yeah, uh, if you have any other uh, chances of Frankfurt where uh, poor defending needs to be mentioned, Matthias, uh, notwithstanding the situation which uh, should have resulted in a penalty. Uh, go ahead and please end with uh, praising Gregor Kobel into a high Yeah, end. no, I mean, those were the two egregious ones also because they were just, you know, it's not like a bonehead play out of the back. Um, it was kind of one of those you lost your footing in the worst possible time. And, you know, with Saliotran, I'm not too worried. He He's very stable on the ball. Nico Schlotterbeck, we've kind of talked about that occasionally. He gets a little little light-footed there. Um, <laughs> uh, but that's okay. That'll come with age. He's still, for for a central defender, he's basically a child, uh, given given their maturity progress. When you look at Mats Hummels, who's arguably having one of his best seasons performance-wise right now, and he's literally never been older. Um, <laughs> so, uh, cutting observation yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, you know, that's me. It's only the best analysis here. Um, <clears throat> even though he's younger than he is now. Um, <laughs> no, it's Gregor Kobe did fantastic, and he did it, uh, and he also had some really good saves, 
against uh, Copenhagen, which we'll, of course, talk about as well. So it's great to have him back. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say if Maya would have been in goal, Dolman definitely would have lost that game. Um, Kolbe, and the thing is with Kolbe, he's he makes it look easy. Um, and I guess that's that's like one of those traits that you look at someone, and I'm not comparing him just yet, but if you look at someone like Manuel Noya, Noya, even the most extreme saves, he just makes it look so casual. Like, oh yeah, I just saved that, whatevs. You know, and, and Kobe isn't quite as refined as Noya yet, because Kobe is also just a baby when it comes to the development uh, age-wise of keepers. Because I think even... Buffon is still playing, and he's as old as I am. Jesus Christ. Uh, okay. I'm not that old for regular people. <laughs> Buffon is 60. But for <laughs> professional footballers, let's just say mid-40s is a little out there. Um, but apparently not for NFL quarterbacks. Be that as it may. I, you know, cool. Divorce makes you younger. Yeah, yeah, true. I don't know. <laughs> apparently. I wouldn't know, thankfully, because I don't have that kind of money. But Kolbe, I'm so happy he's in there. Um, was a little concerned at halftime at Copenhagen when he didn't start, but Tezic says, yeah, no worries. He'll be fine. So uh, he just makes the team better because he's really, really good at his job. And it's amazing what that can do. Um, I am with you. I have changed my opinion from a few weeks ago when I said, uh-huh. you know, Hummels and Schlotterbeck, and you said, ah, I think Hummels and Zülle is the better center back pairing. I am I am with you on that. What I do find interesting is that both of us name Hummels uh, as the one that I definitely always want to have in the lineup. Uh, as far as... Nothing I would have particularly no. guessed at the I also wouldn't have guessed Union Berlin at top of the Bundesliga after 12 match days, especially playing majority of the time the kind of football they do, which you know I love. Um <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> But, you know, Zula has impressed me at right back because, listen, it's not his fault that he's the big a kid as he is, all right? He's a big dude. And when big guys run, it just doesn't look as elegant as, say, Ashraf Hakimi when he runs. <laughs> or even Togadazad, or even Marius Wolf, you know, who's more a sprinter also in build. But um, Zula's got some wheels, more than I thought he would. His positioning is obviously very, very good overall. Um, his tackling is really good. Um, and, and that's one thing I know, you know, occasionally we, we poke a little bit at, at Schlotterbeck because he'll occasionally make a boneheaded decision passing-wise. But his tackling is really good uh, for Dortmund, not Germany. It's really bad for Germany. But it's really good for Dortmund, <laughs> and obviously... Well, I mean, what we need to say about Schlotterbeck's tackling, mm. though, sometimes it needs to be yes. very good because he needs yes. to recover after yes. reading the play too Corrected. late. You know, Konstantin said it uh, recently on the show, um, saying that, yeah, uh, he needs to be quicker with his mind so he doesn't have to be as quick with his feet, essentially. And, uh, yeah, I agree. Sometimes he just uh, gets... Uh, overrun and then has an amazing recovery with a sliding tackle which I think is brilliant to watch from a fan's perspective these are the spectacular plays you pay the tickets for but nevertheless uh, <laughs> sometimes it I, I, I could do with less spectacular and more yes. mature just being in yes. the right position in the first Correct. place kind of thing but and you know 
Maybe and he'll get there, especially when he learns from Hummels. Yeah, and I think that'll that'll really help because Hummels. Every time somebody goes, that you know, on him, unless it's purely beating him on pace, they're not going to beat him on positioning. They're not going to beat him on decision making. And what Hummels excels at is stepping up at the right time, again and again and again. And that really helps Dortmund also in their then transitional buildup play because he'll step up makes an interception, then lays it off in either a, a longer pass or to the right, <clears throat> excuse me, right person on a playmaking perspective. And having Azad at left back, I think just adds another dynamic to it. What I will give Azad over someone like Guerrero, to be honest, is his hustle. Azad doesn't quit, you know. And that's one thing I want to, because you mentioned Adeyemi versus Mayan, even though I have my issues with Adeyemi decision making in the attacking third, because he just <laughs> I may I may I may have uh, compared Adeyemi to Timo Werner yes. already, which is which is the ultimate. It insult is because for he just making. runs into a, a dead end alley again and again and again and again. Now and he's not, you know, he's still very very young. He's a teenager. And obviously we had issues with Sancho doing that in the beginning too, but Sancho was more refined technically than Adeyemi. Adeyemi just purely goes on speed, and you can't always do that. He can do it now, but hopefully he'll he'll become more mature. But he does hustle back. He does try. He celebrates it when he wins a throw-in, which I know that's a little thing, but that is that says a lot about a player's attitude when... Hustling and winning a throw-in means something to you, especially a young player. Look, Bellingham does it again and again and again. You know, uh, Schlotterbeck does that as well. That's the type of attitude you need. If you look at someone like Donjan Malen, who, I'm sorry, at this point, I really hope we sell him as fast as possible because I don't want to see him anymore. His attitude is absolute bad. It's just bad. His attitude is not good. He gets in this... This mopey state of mind, like Rafael Guerrero, who I think is a really good player. I think Daniel Mann is a good player, but his attitude stinks. If things aren't going his way, he mopes. And I'm going to get into Gio Reyna in a minute as well when we talk about Copenhagen. But Gio Reyna <laughs> does the same thing. Gio Reyna does literally the same thing, where if it's not going his way, he mopes. It's not even that he yells at the ref and screams at the ref. I, I saw one sporting player like run away from an ongoing play to yell at the referee. And I'm thinking, I'm sorry, are you just that stupid? Like, come on, man. But you have players in Dortmund, whether it's Donia Mann, even though Carrillo has been better this season, um, Gio Reyna too, too many times, in my opinion, they just give up. They give up on the play. They give up on movement. They give up on trying. And that is something I simply can't accept. Very happy that Giorena is playing. I'm glad for his sake that he's come back. He scored. You know, it'll good to see him play for the USA. All that kind of stuff. But I still think his attitude stinks too many times. And it doesn't help that he just has that body language. And that's part of it. But body language matters in sports. Because it it is infectious. Positive body language, like Bellingham like Schlotterbeck, like Hummels in his kind of more regal demeanor, uh, demeanor uh, like Zaliochan, um, 
I that really matters. And that is one thing I have to say, Julian Brandt this season, that's really impressed me. I feel like his body language has improved a lot. I feel like his attitude yeah. and his hustle has improved a lot. His gameplay has improved as well. He, he'll still have those inconsistencies in there, but I think he's playing better now than he did last season. And I think I attribute a lot of that down to attitude and body language. And that is something that mine, which I don't think mine will ever shake. I think he's too old. It's never going to change. Well, he's only 23. I thought he was 24. <laughs> so. But but he feels yeah. like he's 33. I'm, I feel like he's 26, 27. But he's got to get out of that mopey state or don't we just have to sell him. Because the, those the are the players that will kill you. The thing about Donny is, you know... <laughs> The, the thing about him, you know, in the in the um, in his last season for Paysway, he had uh, 0.7 goals per 90 minutes, which is obviously a really good record. He scored 19 goals in 19 games, and he had eight assists. Also, so his uh, goals plus assists per 90 was 0.99. And his first season at Dortmund was 0.43. You know, he uh, did score five goals in uh, in I don't know. 27 matches played or so and he had uh, three assists and uh, obviously for the longest time we were waiting for the breakout of Daniel Mayer and I think toward the latter end of the season it came and then he got injured again yada yada but there were times where we were okay Daniel Mayer can ball and uh, you know he's looking like he's on the right path this season um, you know you read about how he is all, you know, all beefed up, how he is trained so well, and obviously um, then he absolutely rinses 1860 Munich in the cup, and you think, wow, it's going to be Daniel Malen's season, and uh, finally the player we paid 30 million euros for uh, has arrived, and, you know, it's not uncommon that players need a whole season to adjust, adapt to whatever, and then uh, take off. And uh, so I thought, okay, hopefully this is the case with Milan on the left side and Adedimi on the right side. Um, we should have a very pacey and an intriguing attack. And it also makes sense um, for them to play with Sebastian Alea because both are more false nines than they are wingers, even though we're playing them on the wing. And this is a whole nother rant I could go into. But what happens now, Daniel Milan has zero goals in Champions League and uh, Bundesliga. He has one precious assist against Eintracht Frankfurt. And uh, yeah, his uh, goals and assists per 90, I think, uh, in, in the domestic, in the Bundesliga, is uh, 0.19. And uh, I want to just ask, where are the other 0.80? <laughs> where is that? Because I feel like uh, we should have that by now. And... Uh, What's even more annoying, and, and you talked about body language and whatnot, but basically Donya Malen right now is the seagulls in Finding Nemo, just shouting mine, mine, mine all the time because just for once in your life, pass it to the open striker, even if it is Anthony Modest. You do not have to take every shot your freaking self. And it was funny that against Copenhagen... I was just uh, going to say. The one time, uh, that, the one time Adiemi broke through, dusts his opponent because he has uh, more speed than anybody, squares it off to Anthony Modest, and who pops in from the outside of the screen 
to just shoot the ball into Nirvana. I sadly do not know the rivers around Copenhagen to make a funny joke about that. But nevertheless... You're just <laughs> shooting into the ocean. I was just there. You're yeah, just, just shooting, shooting into, into the, the Baltic Sea or whatever. Uh, <laughs> it is, it is mind-numbing. How are you this bad? How are you this selfish? It is a team sport. And I know you want to break your duck. And I understand that you're frustrated with yourself. But maybe, just maybe, play the ball to the better position teammate. At least, if it's just 50% of the time, you have a chance. It helps. I mean, it did help against Frankfurt. Why can't you learn from that? No, he has to take every shot. And every shot is obviously not on target. So please, for the love of God, shoot the ball either into the net... If you get the chance, which oftentimes you're not in the good position to do that, even though we all know you have a good snapshot, fine. But nevertheless, just there's a striker who is desperate for a goal, who has had terrible headlines and you could make his day by just finding him in open positions. And for the millionth time, and I think it was the most egregious in the game against Cologne, uh, Donja Malen tries to be the hero and play hero ball by himself and I am so annoyed I do not want to see it anymore and that comes on top of the lack of hustle the arriving in Dortmund with the uh, I, I, I and I don't I don't even know what they're doing there in the scouting department how do you sign a guy who then comes to Dortmund and does not know how to defend and not, not know how to press anything they basically had to teach the whole of ball movement to Daniel Malen, and it's still, still lacking. It's still a far cry. So on top of that all, you you, you have the shitty attitude, you have the, uh, the, the you know, pouty face and, and all that. It is just a negativity flurry. And I don't know if Daniel Malen can get out of this. And you said sell him at the first possible uh, moment. And right now I have to agree with you, even though... It is football, and we all know that with a blink of an eye, everything could possibly change for the positive, and Daniel Malen is a much better player all of a sudden that really, really plays with swag and scores goals. That can obviously still happen, but right now I do not see it, and I'm just frustrated that Dortmund have spent 30 million euros on this guy because I have to hear to Watzke... Uh, listen to Watzke and, and Sorg and whatnot about Bayern's bigger funds and, and whatnot. But the problem is Dortmund's, the precious resources they have, they waste on talents like Daniel Malen or Nico Schulz or Emre Can, etc., etc. And then we sit here and have to watch teams like Eintracht Frankfurt uh, dominate with players they sign from Nantes for free. You know, just, I, I don't know. Uh, I, a lot of ranting here, Matthias, but I'm so, just very frustrated at the state it, of this team right now because it could be so much better could, given the resources be, that Dortmund has. But have. there are a few things. One, <laughs> I thought Anthony Modest was literally going to strangle him to death in Copenhagen. I thought <laughs> yes. it was like, oh, he should have. So Mon's not making it home. Uh, but there yeah, was, no, but there if, was a situation. If, if, if he if he arrives out of in a body bag, yeah. so it but is. But there was you a situation know, in like, that yeah. match. First half, where Malin squared it perfectly, where there should be a striker, and there was nobody. There was <laughs> yeah, no, and Malin even looked like 
Where the fuck is everybody? Is <laughs> like, am I alone here? So the dysfunction on this so, team. So maybe is just, in amazing. that moment, he, you know, it, it can happen. Um, <laughs> when Dortmund Bartmann was that during when Roger Schmidt was coaching Eindhoven? I think so. Well, yeah, I'm not entirely sure, but you I would think. think then he'd know how to press because well, he Roger doesn't. Schmidt, he d- he Roger Schmidt's kind of a pressing guy. Um, which, by the way, that's a coach. Well, but maybe this is the line of thinking maybe. going on in Dortmund, which is just far well, too simplistic. No, I mean, oh, Roger Schmidt is a pressing guy, so every player that plays there must no, not I mean, press. No. Aside from that, I mean, Roger Schmidt, I think a lot of people in Germany owe him an apology because he's doing a great job, just by the by. But uh, with Donny Mayen, when he brought him in, I mean, it was clicking. It was clicking, but he also had Holland centrally. You had Royce in the team. You had here's the biggest deficit you have for Dortmund right now. Now, obviously, you can't foresee all of your fullbacks always being injured all the time, no matter what their names are, um, because no team in the world buys three deep at the fullback position, quality wise. But honestly, I'm not really worried about that because I feel like, you know, people like. Uh, Marius Wolf have actually done a really good job. Uh, Zule has done a good job. Yeah. Now, Azad being at left back, he he played left wing back a few times when Favre was there. Uh, he did okay. He may have even done so for Rosa. But the problem is when you have Azad deep and you are missing Mahmoud Tahout, you're missing Marco Reus, and you have Hazad deep, you have, you're missing creativity. That is Dortmund's biggest issue right now. And also, you saw it. You saw it in Copenhagen. The moment Brandt came on, it was a different Dortmund because you had a creative player. Dortmund are lacking a creative player. People like Daniel Mann, Adeyemi, um, Bellingham isn't a creative playmaker. That's not his role. Um, all of these players, your striker, they all feed off the need of Creativity. Saliochan isn't create a creative player. That's not his job. So the players that are the more creative types, Brandt, Reus, Dahut, Hazard, Reina to a degree, but I'm not putting him there just yet. Um, just because I feel like his body language and attitude just it's not there. And Royce makes more Royce is a difference maker. And having him or not having him is is a major major issue and I think that is one of the issues Dortmund have going forward and as we all know defending starts at the top and when you have players in there who are let's just say lackluster in the press people like Reina people like Modest people like mine and then it gets and you're sitting there as Saliochan and Bellingham, and all of a sudden they're just all running at you. Then, then things break down. Then things get difficult. Um, and Frankfurt really used that really, really well. But you know, Dalton have also used it conversely very well on their side. It's just, it's just a really weird season. Again, it's going to get <laughs> yeah. a lot weirder given that you know we've got uh, this weekend mid next week and next weekend's matches and then there's not another Bundesliga match for two months 
And so, <laughs> which at this point I actually appreciate because of all the no, matches and fine. the density. Be, but the density is only down to the World Cup being what yeah. it is. And for teams like Dortmund, this is going to be actually beneficial. For teams like Union Berlin and Freiburg, I think this is actually a huge problem. Um, you know, for the good teams that have more time to get players back, the players that won't be going to the World Cup and things like that, this is this helps. Um, I think Bayern's going to have a difficult time with this format right now. Uh, I mean, Dortmund will too, because Dortmund have plenty of healthy players that will be going uh, for a variety of yeah. countries. But yeah, I with Mayan, he is that selfish attacking player that for the longest time was Jaden Sancho. And then he changed. So obviously... Me saying I want him gone is basically me motivating him, just like I take all the credit for motivating <laughs> Dahoud to turn into a good player. Uh, Matteo More for becoming a good player. I mean, after all, it is a, it is a podcast, yeah. and we basically are weekly yeah. on, so it's always going to be reactionary. That is uh, but, just how but when it you is. compound it often and often, and, and the thing in, in Copenhagen, and I, I guess we could transition to that because I think we've said everything we have to say about Frankfurt. Yeah. The thing about Copenhagen was it's a dead rubber. It means nothing, okay? Theoretically. It means nothing in a results standpoint. Dortmund are still going to finish second. Copenhagen are still going to finish last. But the way those Copenhagen players played, I mean, they had a few records they wanted to break. First of all, they wanted to finally score a Champions League goal, which they did. Congratulations. They, they were playing as if it really meant something. I mean, first of all, a shout out to the Copenhagen yes. fans and the TIFO yeah, they put cool. together. You know, that 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 did not feel like a dead no, rubber. No, they cared. <laughs> the only Plus, <laughs> their last time playing in Europe, probably until next fall. So it's like, or not probably, it is. So, you know, make the most of it. They're not going to have another European night for a lot of months. Um, but for Dortmund players, and I meant what I tweeted, it was like, your motivation should be the fact that you get to wear that shirt. And yeah, you see it from some players, but you didn't see it from enough. It changed the moment Mukoko and Brandt came on the pitch. Then it got better. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, this game once again showed that Dortmund right now um, are not a good team when it comes to being in possession. <laughs> I mean... Uh, when you have Eshan and, and uh, John as a double pivot, you cannot expect great things out of possession to begin with because Emre Can, um, we can actually praise him this season because he had a lot of good games, uh, more than his Dortmund average, I would say. But the problem is that his best games come against uh, opponents where Emre Can can destroy football, be it Bayern Munich or Man City or whatever. Then he looks excellent. But as soon as... Dortmund have to really play make and Emre Can has more on-ball moments. Uh, yeah, this turns into a negative, sadly. Um, I, I, I've seen someone say, yeah, basically we need to sign another guy like uh, Charlie Oshan, but make him a better football at the same time. And I'm like, yeah, uh, this is what Emre Can was supposed to be and uh, he is paid that kind of money right now, but uh, he is uh, sadly worse than Oshan, not better, uh, which is our detriment right now. But um, yeah, also I think, uh, uh, you know, we've already talked about our attacking uh, format and, um, you know, we cannot end the, the Copenhagen segment to give a shout out to Felix Passlack because this was probably his last Champions League game of his career 
because um, he obviously bemoaned that he is not getting playing time in Dortmund and he um, will probably move away. And when that happens, I'm very confident it's not going to be to a team that plays regular Champions League football. So, um, you know, he did get an assist and he did hustle a lot. Now, um, obviously, I would recommend to everybody to listen to the Yellow Wallpot on 1.5 speed and not on one speed. When I edit it, I have to listen it faster because otherwise, you know, I'm I'm still German. I do speak English, but I think uh, I, I talk too slowly, so um, you can speed it up. But uh, it was basically Copenhagen playing on 1.5 speed versus Dortmund playing 0.75 speed. It felt like because Copenhagen were just sprinting and running collectively the entire time and Dortmund simply were not. And on top of that, um, I, I think that uh, Dortmund also played with a bit more liberty, let's say a bit more risk than they usually would do, and especially Mats Hummels. He moved forward way more often than he should. He uh, did not have the discipline that he shows in games that are not that rubbers. And so I think uh, when Copenhagen scored the goal, it was also him just... Uh, careening forward <laughs> with reckless abandon and uh, that opened up Dortmund um, but yeah at the same time um, Gio Reyna or at least that that, that led to a massive chance uh, the uh, actual goal was half gifted by Gio Reyna playing a leg luster outside of the boot pass uh, right into the path of the attacker and uh, yeah obviously I called him out for it, and then I had 15 people in my mentions with American <laughs> flag uh, avatars criticizing me that uh, Giorena obviously is not wrong at all, but uh, the defense was ill-positioned, sure. Um, okay, but, um, I'm an yeah. American. I've got an American flag. Yeah. Giorena can fuck right <laughs> off. That was on him. <laughs> I watched it in replay, and I rewatched it again at full speed. How, how did you like his shrug or parting or whatever? He just didn't give a going? shit. He just didn't give a shit. He stopped playing. He stopped running. He's like, oh, well, they're gone. Nothing I can do about it. You know, that's, I mean, I was critical of Christian Pulisic at times for doing the same crap. And. Yeah, but Pulisic was more doing it with his uh, ass on the floor (laughs) and arms raised. That was the classic Pulisic. And and Gio Reyna's right there, right there. Just an entitled kid, and it pisses me off. Got them American entitled no, kids. No, no, it pisses off. me off because he <laughs> hasn't earned that right. He just hasn't. That's true. And for then fellow Americans who will forgive literally anything from a player like Gio Reyna or Christian Pulisic to Jen come, oh, no, the defenders were poorly positioned, this, that, and the other – no, if you're playing with with any type of intensity, that situation shouldn't have happened. And the thing is, even if he gets away from you, keep hustling, keep running, keep going, because that matters. And those are the things that a coach like Idin Tezic looks at, okay? You may be able to get away with that with someone like Lucien Favre, who's, you know, not as intense and didn't play an intense style of football. Idin Terzic wants a more intense style of football. And Gio Reyna, I got news for you, buddy. If Dolman is in full health, you may not have started this game. Or maybe you started this game because the better options wanted to be rested. And when I, 
Well, that is essentially why yes. he played because Julian Brandt. Yes, because Julian Brandt right now is a better player than Giorena. This is a fact. All around play, front to back, complete, better. Um, if Marco Royce was healthy, bam. I mean, Giorena would be slowly making progress back into the, the team, but he would not be first choice. He just wouldn't. And at least not in a number no. ten position. I mean, you can play him in so modern. Correct. Who is useless, Correct. You can so. play him out wide on the wing at a slower pace, because he's not fast. He's not that fast. Um, Mine and Adeyemi are much faster. I mean, there's no no question behind that. Um, but that type of situation, it pissed me off when I saw it. And now that you brought it up, it pissed me off again. And the fact that people <laughs> will come at you for being critical pisses me off even more. It's like, shut up, man. That just means you're ignorant of the sport. Because you didn't actually look at it. You're such a fanboy, you can't even properly analyze the game. And that kind of stuff drives me nuts on the U.S. soccer fan base, period. But be that as it may. For this type of situation, but you look at Dortmund's side. I was just looking at it against Copenhagen. You had, out of 11 players, when you look at players who actually know possession and know how to, usually, ironically... I'm going to say that now, pick a pass. You had Torgan Azad at left back. You had Mats Hummels at central defender. And yeah, you had this guy, Gio Reyna. The rest of the team is not possession. I mean, Saliochan to a degree, but he's not a playmaker. But your playmakers were your left back, your right-sided central defender, and Gio Reyna. You know, that, that says a lot because you couldn't play out of the press. Obviously, this was one more for resting. I mean, Tezic said, you know, that's why they took off Kuban and Hummels because they wanted to go in zero risk. I mean, Koulibaly got to start, okay? Yeah. Which is great he, for him. He got his uh, professional great debut, for him. so yeah, congrats. Um, yeah. Looking at him, super raw kid. Super raw. But that's fine. Um, he reminds me a little bit of Dan Zagadou, just kind of, because he's a big kid, and he's a kid, and just... It looks like he's going slowly, but he may be going fast. It's kind of like the Zula thing. He may be fast, but he looks like he's slow because he's so big. Um, I mean, good thing for... I mean, yeah, Copenhagen, you got a draw. You scored a goal, and we move on. Uh, luckily, no major injuries. But there were certain things in that game. Mine for one. Um, Modest for another. Because, oh my God. Um, <laughs> when when Modest did get that pass, I don't know from who it was. Was it Giorena? Yeah, I I, I forgot. But uh, he he had one chance uh, close toward the end where he just uh, fluffed it. And usually he had already beaten his defender, but his first yeah. touch and his pace took him in behind the defender again, so that he had to shoot it much sooner than he needed. Yeah, to. no, Modest has been a disappointment. Um, I expected much more from him. And he hasn't delivered. Part of that is down to he hasn't gotten the delivery. It's okay. We can't can't completely ignore that. He's the type of striker that needs delivery. He's not the type of striker that's going to basically create his own delivery. He's not Holland. He's not Lewandowski. He's not even Mukoko. Mukoko is that kind of guy. Uh, but then, unfortunately, Mukoko misses up front. Yeah. So, Matthias, here are two pools that you can choose from. Uh, if you wanted to choose your run of 16 opponent you have pot a napoli porto benfica chelsea tottenham real madrid and 
Pod B, you have Liverpool, PSG, Bruges, Inter and Milan. Uh, out of those two pods, which one would you pick? Because those are the quote-unquote available pods to Dortmund. Um, the first one I read is obviously the potential teams Dortmund can actually draw and the other ones are Dortmund uh, that they could have drawn had they finished first in their group. Well... Again, Napoli, Porto, Benfica, hmm. Chelsea, Tottenham and Real Madrid are the teams that Dortmund can, can draw, draw. And the teams that Dortmund avoid by finishing second yeah, definitely yeah, are okay. Liverpool, PSG, yeah. Bruges, yeah. Inter, so, yeah. uh, in, Inter Milan and, and AC Milan. And, and obviously no Leipzig, no Frankfurt and no yes. Bayern. Yes, and um, also no Man City because same group. Correct. So of those, oh God, I know what's going to happen. It's going to be Tottenham, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe. I, don't just, know. I mean, I, you know, Real Madrid, that would be, that would be tough. Napoli, that would be an embarrassment. Benfica, I think Dortmund would lose to uh, because of the style that they play with Holger Schmidt. They would make Dortmund's life miserable, but it could be a super entertaining match, actually. Um, so. <clears throat> I'm not here for entertainment. I'm here for, for progression. Progression. <laughs> All of them are going to be tough. Yeah, well, I would Champions say <laughs> I've news for you. See, oh god, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but probably Tottenham out of those because they are in a bit of a a odd patch lately. They they haven't had really good form in the league. They had to come from behind against Bournemouth on the weekend. But they keep coming from behind. They came from behind against Olympique Marseille in the Stade Vélodrome, which is not easy. Uh, they have the right attitude. They play <clears throat> soundly. And they have, they have of course, Dortmund's favorite Korean, Hyung Min Son. <laughs> um, and, and this guy called Harry Kane. Yeah. So speaking of Harrys, uh, how is Porter doing at Chelsea? Are they would they be a good matchup for Dortmund? You know they lost to Brighton. Um, they also play a back <laughs> three. Um, it'd be interesting to go up against Christian. Well, Pulisic. basically, what Dortmund need in an opponent is someone who is a ball dominant team. Yeah. Where Dortmund are not it's exactly the favorites. <clears throat> yeah, because I mean they did really really well against Manchester City twice. Uh, you could argue they were unlucky yeah. to lose. And Tazic, in his first go-around, also coached Dortmund really well against Manchester City at a, in a more difficult time. So if you're looking at, oh, God, I mean, then maybe Real Madrid, but they're just so good. You know, and <laughs> Napoli, Napoli would scare me. Yeah, they Napoli are, would just on a tear <laughs> pick us Serie apart. A. It would be like the, the final aggregate would no, be like in 9 to it, it could be bad. Two. It could be bad with Napoli. So, yeah, I mean, maybe a Chelsea, maybe a Tottenham. Because the thing with Tottenham, so obviously paying attention to Tottenham, and, and Bournemouth kind of did this. If they would leave the ball to Tottenham, they struggle. So, um, because they, they then kind of struggle to find a way because they don't have that central creative playmaker. They've got more destroyers. But that true creative spark, that's that's like Harry Kane and Hyung Min Son. I mean, but they're your strikers. You know, and 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 that's that's really 
where that can break down in there. They play a wingback system, so Dortmund can overload them on the on the wide areas, and their fullbacks are their wingbacks aren't very good. I, that's their biggest weakness, in my opinion. So, well, at least with, they have fullbacks. <laughs> they do, but you know, to, <laughs> every team. But I mean, wide players. You know, Dortmund yeah. could could uh, pose a serious threat to them, but obviously, once Son and Kane get it oh, and come man. at Dortmund's back line, it's just be tough. I just realized I that we potentially could have Mahmoud Dahoud back and Jamie Bino Gittens from their shoulder injuries. I'm not entirely sure uh, how far along Moray is in his recovery, but we could have uh, another formidable right back. You know, I don't know how his form would be, obviously, after being out for so long. Um, I don't have any hopes for Sebastian Alea's uh, return. I'm not really saying, oh, he's probably going to be back by January or so. Um, I, because if you look at his. Uh, chemotherapy intervals it's i i don't i don't think he's going to be back uh you know this season if if i'm all honest but uh you know what do i know i'm i'm not really a doctor but uh from from what i but hear you did stay at and, a holiday and express right <laughs> uh, right but what <laughs> i don't know what exactly that means <laughs> it was it was a commercial from a few years ago a guy is standing in the er and they're like, are you a doctor? He said, no, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. So just had to think of that. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. Uh, I, I too did stay at a Holiday Express uh, recently because uh, we went, uh, we we uh, booked the room completely overpriced for our trip to uh, Coda uh, in, in Austin, Texas, which was awesome, uh, which I'd also much rather talk about than Borussia Dortmund's uh, Champions League prospects. Um, but in all honesty, I, I think Dortmund are um, in good shape going into uh, into the Champions League round of 16, and uh, I think they're going to be in better shape. Now, uh, before, you know, the draw is going to be on Monday, so we'll know then. Um, but in the meantime, we have to talk about uh, the next opponents, which both are VfLs, uh, as I said in the intro, and uh, the first one is uh, VfL Bochum, uh, I was about to say that last, but uh, nope. They are now 17th in the Bundesliga because FC Schalke are that last. And uh, yeah, VfL Bochum um, have not done really well so far at all this season. They basically um, had only losses and one draw uh, before they <laughs> beat Eintracht Frankfurt 3-0, as you would do. Then they got battered by Stuttgart 1-4, and then, of course, they beat league leaders Union Berlin, which meant that they left first place. But then last week, um, they did get hammered by VfL Wolfsburg 4-0. Now, obviously, we all do remember last season where in the, in the game in Bochum, Dortmund just couldn't score a goal to save their lives. Erling Haaland wasted a million chances and it was probably one of those games where you ask yourself how on earth did we not win and the other game the return fixture was obviously the one where a VfL Bochum um, saved or, or ma made sure that they would stay in the Bundesliga but also another epic Dortmund collapse where you could see that they did not take the whatever derby you want to call it, B1 Derby, Straßenbahn Derby, etc. Seriously whatsoever, even though I would say that there is a rivalry and I personally really do want to beat Bochum at all costs at any time because they are our 18th home match 
And so in our 17th home match against Bochum, basically, I want to see them beat also. They should not get a singular chance in the Westfalen Stadion and be just boomed out of the stadium every time they come there. So, uh, Matthias, what are we to expect? Can Eden Terzic uh, create Garner a little bit more enthusiasm from his players to play against VfL Bochum than uh, Marco Rose could? I would say so. I mean, if you look at um, Copenhagen was a bit flat. Uh, Frankfurt was a lucky win, but it's still a but win. But not flat. But not flat. I think that carries over into Bochum. And um, especially because Bellingham will play, you know, you got rested midweek. And that, that already changes the dynamic of, of the way, you know, Brandt will play. So again, those, those are things that, that will change things. And as such, I'm not worried about the Bochum match. Yes, Bochum have now won twice in the last six <laughs> matches. But, um, you know. Thrice, it, because they also beat Evelsberg in the DFB Cup. Okay, fine. Nothing. Whatever. But, yeah. uh, but they beat Union Berlin, one of the few teams to actually do it this season. One of only two. And they beat yeah, Eintracht they, Frankfurt. They shithoused Union with their own medicine, Yes, basically. which I kind of enjoyed because I freaking hate the way Union Berlin, quote-unquote, plays. <laughs> Uh, and they beat Eintracht Frankfurt. That being said, you know, they they got crushed by Stuttgart and crushed by Wolfsburg. So it's a team that can make life difficult for Dortmund. Uh, they're probably going to sit back. They're going to hit long balls, counter-attacking football. That's what they're going to do. Set pieces. That's that's what Bochum will do. If they come out and try to play, Dortmund will completely destroy them. Yeah, if they attempt um, to be Stuttgart, they will be crushed yes, by Stuttgart. Yes, Um so it's not going to be easy, but um, anything less than three points is a disappointment. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of one of those, it's not going to be as easy as playing against Schalke. Um, <laughs> but I, they're still not a very good team. And, no. and quality-wise, way below the likes of Frankfurt or Copenhagen. So I would expect Dortmund to come out, um, kind of take this as a statement match. And and put down a put down a few goals. I don't think it's going to be five, like against Stuttgart, but I could see Dortmund scoring three or four. Well, the thing is, obviously, I think last season, if I'm not entirely mistaken, when Dortmund lost the home match against Bochum, it was pretty much also a dead rubber for Dortmund, and it showed. And this time, it is entirely different. Dortmund are only just in the Champions League ranks and uh, players have talked about wanting to start a series now because obviously Dortmund's season is also very inconsistent and um, I, re I remember last season we were all rubbing our collective hands because the final three match days of the Rückrunde and Hinrunde respectively obviously were against um, Bochum, Fürth and Hertha Berlin and Hertha at that point were also, I, I don't know if they were last but they were also just crap and, uh, you know, we went all into the last three games and we're like, huh, this is going to be a nice little uh, winning streak here for us. Uh, nine points in the back, easily cash money. And what happened? Uh, Bochum uh, got a one-all draw. Dortmund had the most... <laughs> it was a 3-0 win against Fürth, but the amount of bickering and dysfunctionality on that field... Um, was only topped by then having a backline consistent of Nico Schulz, Marin Pongracic... Uh, Axel Witzel and, oh God, who was on the right? I think it was Meunier. And then, of course, uh, 
yeah, the, you lose three to two away to Hertha Berlin uh, as the last game of the Hinrunde in like yet another cold night in December or whatnot. Um, I think this time around, uh, with the last three games before the turn of the year, because it's not the end of the Hinrunde, of course, um, with uh, Bochum, Wolfsburg and Gladbach, um, I'm not going to say easy nine points for Dortmund, um, <laughs> because I've learned and uh, also because I do rate Gladbach a little bit more than Hertha currently. But um, I must say, I do hope that Dortmund um, beat Bochum this time because of uh, reasons before mentioned and also continue their everlasting streak of uh, beating VfL Wolfsburg who themselves are also not playing a good season so um, I would say from these games um, a minimum of six points should be expected obviously we will have another show to preview the Gladbach match but um, still I I just think that Wolfsburg um who are right now in 12th place and, uh, you know, Gladbach are 11th. Um, you know, Wolfsburg right now are seemingly finding their groove a little bit under Niko Kovac. Um, it is not a beautiful football, but at least uh, they are a bit more cohesive and, uh, you know, basically he managed to reduce their errors, <laughs> which already helps. Um, and of course, they have a lot of capable players on the team because they're backed by Volkswagen. So every time they have a problem, they just throw money at it. And so they have good individual players, but usually they do not like um, the overall team building to really put it all together. Hence, they are 12 right now in the, in the Bundesliga where they could be much higher. Um, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to say too many things about Wolfsburg either because we've already recorded uh, over an hour and 10 minutes. So, Matthias, my prediction is going to be a 4-1 win against Bochum and a 2-1 win against Wolfsburg. You know, I'm going to go with a 4-0 victory, actually, against Bochum. Because a little little um, facts of the day here from whoscored.com is that Bochum have conceded at least four goals in their last three away matches. So, huh. um, one of which was against Wolfsburg, I think. Um, <laughs> but with Wolfsburg, I think that's going to be a lot tougher. Um, yeah, I want to win because it's Wolfsburg and it's just one of those clubs that I've hated since the moment that Roy Prega first showed up in the Bundesliga those many, many years ago. And so I'm going to go Dortmund are going to win that one. It's going to be not a pretty game, but 2-1. And of course, Gladbach to end the, yeah. Hinrunde, I mean, it's not the Hinrunde, but like you said, it's this part of the season, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is going to be really, really tough because Gladbach are a really bad run of form, and, uh, but they get to take on Stuttgart. Um, and Stuttgart are, granted, Stuttgart have won two of their last three matches, but overall, it's still VfB Stuttgart, and uh, we all know how that ended for them in Dortmund, and Gladbach are a pretty good side and their coach kind of has history with Dortmund so it'd be, <laughs> be an interesting one to see him and Terzic hang out so um, be that as it may I, I think uh, two six points of the next two matches are the expectations I have with amongst them would be a nice goal glut against Bochum yeah uh, I think the Stuttgart game was so much fun that I uh, wish that for me again. 
Uh, and yeah uh, I think with that we can end the show for today Uh, if you're still listening thank you so much um, to listen uh, for listening to our rants and our nonsense (laughs) once again Um, and uh, yeah you can find us of course on twitter at yellowwallpod is our tag but uh, obviously if you want to reach us personally and uh, bemoan uh, my Giorena criticisms you can do that at Stefan Botsko and uh, if you also want to piss off Matthias you can do that at Matthias Zuck and um, yeah also a big thank you to all our patrons out there Uh, you are the best and uh, yeah with that as always thank you for listening and goodbye